Good morning, if you would. Grab a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. We'll be spending our time in this part of Scripture this morning. Ephesians chapter 6. Good to see you this morning. So good to be with you and to worship God with you. Appreciate all those who have participated in the worship service up to this point. Thankful for our visitors. We have some who are new to us, who are visiting with us for the first time. Thank you so much for being here. We want you to feel welcome. We are glad that you are here. I also want to say uh, thank you to all of those who have responded so positively and given me encouragement about the podcast that we began this week with the beginning of the, the year and the daily devotional podcast. Uh, that has gone really better than I expected, and I appreciate that. Or at least thank you to all of those who had a lot of negative feedback and who did not tell me. I appreciate that. I appreciate your encouragement in that, and that has gone well. Hope you'll be reading this year as we do the study of the story of Israel. If you are interested in receiving those devotionals as an email, uh, please sign up. There's a place on the visitor's card, or you can just let us know, and that's also available in the podcast form. As I mentioned, a Fairview Daily Devotionals is the name of that podcast. I want to begin by reading Ephesians 6 and verse 1. Ephesians 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What you read when you read these verses is how Scripture is describing the ideal home, the home that we're all trying to create and live up to. How should Christian parents act? How should children act when following the teaching of Jesus? What should things look like? And as we're starting a new year, I mentioned last week that we're beginning a new preaching theme for me, and that theme, as has been mentioned this morning, is called House Rules. We're talking about principles that we should be living out in our homes. What does a Christian home look like? And particularly, I want to talk about the lessons that we should be not only teaching, but demonstrating in our homes. That's really my goal for this year. Now, homes are vital because homes are where character is forged. Not only the character of our children, which as parents we have an obligation to help forge and guide, but also, home is where we, as Christians, learn to live out a lot of the principles that we learn from Jesus, that we learn what it means to be patient and kind. We learn what it is to love. We learn what faithfulness means. And a lot of those lessons are learned in the home and demonstrated in the home, or very often not learned and not demonstrated in the home. And those relationships are so crucial to our development that they really form a part of who we are going forward, not only for our children, but also for those of us who are parents. So what I want to do is the beginning of each month, we're going to look at a different lesson that I want us to think about from Scripture to implement in our homes. And the first lesson that we're going to talk about this morning is the idea that home is a safe place. Now, that may seem axiomatic to you, but I want to assure you that for many people, both throughout history and in our time, home is not a safe place. It is not a place of physical safety or emotional safety. For many, home is a place of contention and hostility. Home is a place of abuse and fear. Home is a place of pain and hate. 
For many people, home is equated with dad stumbling home drunk. And who knows who he's going to hit or who he's going to yell at. For many people, home is associated with arguments and unreachable expectations. For many people, home is a place where discussion and dissent are not tolerated, not for a moment. And that does incalculable damage to the spirit of children. It teaches children that there is nowhere you can expect people to treat you with kindness. There is nowhere where you are safe. And they begin to think that that's just the way life is. And I want to say firmly and strongly this morning that Christian homes should not be this way. That God expects our homes to be a safe space for our children, for our mates, for all of us. Now, I want to explore the idea of safety for a few minutes this morning. What does it mean that a home is safe? Probably when you hear the word safe, you immediately think of physical safety. I'm not going to dwell on that this morning. I, I think that goes without saying. That when we have children, particularly... And children are young and weak and they need care and protection. That it is axiomatic. We are naturally going to protect our children and see to their physical safety. But I would add, if we're going to talk about physical safety, because our children are young and vulnerable, how much more should we be concerned about spiritual dangers coming into our home when our children are young and vulnerable, not able to protect themselves? How much more should we be concerned when we are inviting people or we're inviting language, or we're inviting images into our home that pose a spiritual danger to our children. If home is going to be a safe place, that needs to be safety, not only physical, but also spiritual. But that's not really what I want to dwell on this morning. What I want to dwell on is the idea that when we talk about a home, particularly in parenting, we seem to struggle with balance. We seem to think that either we are going to teach our children discipline or we're going to be lenient. We're either going to be kind and happy and loving or we're going to be strong and firm. And I want us to see that home being safe means we learn to balance biblical priorities in both directions. So let's talk about what that looks like. First of all, home is a place where discipline is balanced by love where discipline is balanced by love. Look in Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Ephesians 6 and verse 4. The text says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You have two words there, discipline and instruction. Home is where children learn discipline. Discipline is the idea of correction and instruction. Sometimes it involves punishment. And we think about discipline. Very often that's the connotation we use. We use the idea that someone is going to be punished when they do something wrong. But discipline in teaching children is the idea that there are certain things that are off limits. You should not do. Children don't come into this world with a natural understanding of what is good and bad, right and wrong, acceptable, unacceptable. Parents are to teach that. They are to discipline their children so that they begin to learn, here is something I shouldn't do. There are consequences to that. There may be punishment associated with that. And that is the responsibility of a parent. We teach and we teach discipline. So... Children will grow up in a Christian home learning that when we do certain actions, there are consequences for those actions. That is a biblical principle. That is a life principle. It is taught in the home. It is taught by discipline. The Hebrew writer talks about how discipline is necessary because that's a part of how God deals with his children. 
And it says, which one of God's children would he not discipline? Which child is there that a father doesn't discipline? And there is in discipline the idea of pain. The Hebrew writer says, no discipline is joyful for the moment, but painful. And so we need to understand when we talk about balancing discipline and love, that discipline is going to involve some pain. There's going to be some hardship. There may be some tears. There may be some hurt feelings. And that is a natural part of teaching discipline. And yet, I want to stress that discipline in a Christian home is to be balanced by love. When Paul writes to Titus, I don't have it on the board here, but I'm going to read it to you. Titus chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. And he talks about how older women are to teach the younger women. Listen to what he says. Older women are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. To love their husbands and children. Now, I don't believe when he says, train the young women to love their husbands and children, he's saying, all right, you got to teach them. Now, you need to love. You need to love. The love is natural. What they need to teach is that love is going to look a certain way. When you love your husband, you do this. When you love your children, you do this. So you have the idea that when we love our children, we discipline them, and yet discipline and love are not mutually exclusive. They are balances to one another. We discipline because we love, and we balance that discipline with love. So we cannot, as parents, only punish We must also affirm, but we cannot only affirm, we have to also train. We cannot only praise our children, we must also challenge them. There has to be a balance. I want to call your attention to the fact that there are going to be some some different factors that work in how our discipline love balance works. For one... There is the idea of personality. You know, each person has a different personality. Each parent, each set of parents has their own personality. And that's going to influence which one of these extremes we tend to go to. So, for example, some of us tend to be more formal, more intense, more intentional. So we're going to be really focused on discipline. But we have to balance that with love. And some of us tend to be more loving and accepting and emotional. And we need to balance that with discipline. At no point is it okay to say, well, I love you so much that I'm just going to let everything go. And at no point is it okay to say, I'm so focused on disciplining you that I'm not going to show you how much I care. Those balances must be there. I also want to point out that past histories play a role in this. Very often, I hear this quite often from parents. Very often, we look back at our childhood and we say, my parents were so strict. I don't ever want to be that way with my kids. So what do we do? We run the other way. And we say, well, I don't need to discipline. I don't want to sound like my mom. And so suddenly, we got a lot of love, but we don't have any discipline. There is a balance here in which the home can exist and be safe. So, discipline is required. So let's talk about what that means. When we talk about discipline, we mean that we teach our children and stress to our children that there are ways that we're going to act and ways that we will not act. We teach our children that there are certain words, practices, things that we're not going to do and that are off limits for you. And sometimes they're going to test those boundaries and cross those lines. And parents need to be on the front lines ready to say there are consequences for those actions. Discipline. And yet... 
Parents also must be there to affirm that we care about our children and we discipline them because we have a vision for what is good for them. We must also hug and comfort them. We must also reassure them. We must also give them hope and give them praise and encouragement. We give them respect by affirming their dignity and worth. We do that because we want to balance discipline and love. I want to say just a a word here about the idea that children make mistakes and that very often our response to those mistakes is a reflection of just how safe our home is. Children are going to make mistakes as they grow and as they test those boundaries. They'll try their hand at rebellion. They will make poor choices. And I am saying that that process of growth is best happening in a safe place, a place where they do not have to be afraid. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But what I'm saying is not it's okay for them to make mistakes. I am simply saying... I want my children to know that even when they make mistakes, they are still in a safe place. I would rather my children make mistakes surrounded by people that love them than surrounded by people who do not. I will discipline them, but that discipline needs to be balanced by love. So, home is a safe place where discipline exists, but it's balanced by love. Home is a place where teaching is balanced by patience. Look in Ephesians 6 and 4 with me again. Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So you have the word instruction here. That's a fascinating word. Yours might have a little different word, something like uh, admonition or something like that. But the word actually means to give understanding or to give the child a mind for something. You can hear it is about telling something that goes to the intellect, teaching, educating. But as a parent, I don't know about you, but for me, that's a little bit overwhelming. There's so much to teach. How could you ever possibly teach everything that needs to be taught? How could you ever possibly educate your child in every area that they need it? So God gives a teaching function to fathers. And I want us to see that that teaching function is vital. There is something to be said in safety in our teaching. Teaching is going to require patience. So I want you to think about this with me for a moment. If you ask a school teacher about teaching, sometimes a school teacher will teach a lesson. But a school teacher never teaches the lesson just once. You don't teach the lesson and assume the kids now all understand it. After all, I mean, we spent 30 minutes going over it. Instead, what you do as a school teacher is you teach and you give examples and you ask questions and you work with students after class and then the next day you come in again and you teach and you keep working with them over and over again and over time with lots and lots of effort and mentioning it again and again, you realize they have started to get it. Teaching requires patience just by its nature. Even more so, though, when you talk about how children begin at different stages of how they understand and process things. And some of us have more than one child, so we're constantly teaching to different levels with different understandings. It's going to require patience. So what that means is that I need to be busy telling my children the things that they need to know. Now, notice 
Ephesians 6, 4, notice it again. It says, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That of the Lord there seems to me to modify both discipline and instruction. It is the idea that we're teaching them the discipline that's required when we follow Jesus. And we're also teaching them the information they need to know that's about following Jesus. We are teaching them spiritual things. The spiritual instruction is what Paul is most concerned with here. So I need to be busy, parents teaching my children. I need my children to hear me talking about Jesus, talking about my faith. I need my children to hear me talking about why we do and do not do certain things, what moral decisions we make in our family, why we do what we do and do not do what we do, why we're getting up on Sunday morning to come to church. They need to hear from me what it is that the Bible says about holiness and about humility and about kindness to other people. And then when they bring to me questions from their day about how this kid treated them or said this to them, I need to be teaching them about this is what you need to do because Jesus wants you to do this. This is why you don't hit your sister because Jesus said this. Teaching, teaching, teaching. But I need to understand that there is patience required alongside that. Patience that says that lesson will not be learned in one day. That there will be times when children again and again struggle to understand and to live by the word of God. When children will again and again need to be reminded and prodded and challenged. And I am patient with them. That is, I'm not going to get angry at that process. I am going to see it the way God sees it, as a long-term project with a clear end in mind. And that end hasn't been reached yet. Sometimes that teaching and that patience is going to be necessary because our kids are going to ask us lots and lots of questions. Sometimes they're the same questions over and over again. Sometimes they're questions that are genuinely curious questions. We've talked about this in past weeks how the children of Israel are told when your child or your grandchild asks you this question, here's the answer I want you to give them. That is, there should be a dialogue going on, not a sense of shutting down questions and saying, we don't ask that here. But instead of patience that says, let me explain, let me explain again, let me tell you again, over and over, patience. Teaching is balanced by patience because we are involved in a long-term character-building project. Long-term. And there will be bumps and bruises along the way. There will be successes and failures. But as parents, we have the obligation to keep our eyes locked forward and not get frustrated about the moment. Now, as children, there are things to learn. We'll talk about respect in just a moment. But as children, we need to learn that we need to have the humility to be corrected, that we're not right about everything just because we feel we're right. We need the ability to learn to receive instruction without sacrificing love, but, but we need to learn that teaching is balanced by patience. And the third thing I want you to see is that home is a safe place where respect is taught without harshness. I want you to back up with me now to Ephesians 6 and verse 1. In Ephesians 6 and verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Obey your parents. Now, he invokes the Lord again here to emphasize this is part of how children serve Jesus. You do this, and in doing this, you are serving the Lord. Parents are in charge in the home. 
And he says, children need to accept that authority. You will obey your parents. Verse 2, honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. See, it's not just obedience that's commanded. Here, it's the word honor. And honor goes a lot farther. It has its tentacles out way farther than simple obedience. Spirit of respect is a spirit that children have to be taught. Respect, it permeates into all the ways we interact with other people. Yes, it's about obedience in part, but it's also about the way we talk to someone. We say sometimes we'll talk to someone disrespectfully, or they talk to us disrespectfully. Sometimes it's about the way we treat them, something we say to them or about them, sometimes the way we listen. Respect, then, is something that we have to show in fact, one of the most challenging things I've had as a father is being able to explain just in simple terms what, is it, what does it mean to respect someone. It's a really hard concept. But there is a way that respect can be taught that has the opposite effect. And I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear Paul Because this is the heart of what we're talking about. Home being a safe place. It's Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Ephesians 6 and verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. God wants homes to be safe places. Places where children can be taught without being provoked. Places that are safe. Children need to learn respect but they need to learn it without harshness. They need to learn it without being provoked. I want you to turn with me over to Colossians 3 for a moment. Colossians 3. Colossians 3 and verse 18. This is a parallel to what we've been reading, but I want you to notice his stress on the lack of harshness that should exist in Christian homes. Colossians 3 and verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So several things here. Did you notice in verse 19? Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, that was uncommon in the time in which this was written. In this era... It was very rare for ancient authors to say that a wife needed respect and honor. It was very rare for them to say, be careful about being overly harsh with your wife. And yet Paul says, this is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means to love your wife in the Lord. You are not going to be harsh with her. It's going to be a safe place for her when she is with you. And then he talks about children again in verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So just like in Ephesians 6, he says, don't provoke your children to anger. Here he says, don't provoke them to discouragement. That is, don't let your teaching, your discipline, your teaching, your teaching of respect, don't let that be so overbearing that your children are left discouraged and frustrated, not because they've been taught, but they're frustrated with you. Now, you might ask, well, how could that be? What could we do that would demonstrate such harshness or such provocation for our children? 
Well, I'm glad you asked. That was a joke. So the idea of provoking children can come from any number of places. It could be the idea that, that we're not truthful with them. We're not honest with them. We say things to them and then we don't do what we say. We don't fulfill our word to them. It could be from the idea that we are always all over them. That they feel that they can never be good enough. That they can never satisfy all our demands. That we only focus on the negatives. That we are, in other words, harsh and overbearing with them. There's also the possibility that we could provoke our children because we do things and then we call on them to do the opposite. So this happens within the Bible, actually, where Saul, King Saul, provokes his son Jonathan to anger because Saul is so evil in his treatment of David that Jonathan is furious with his dad. Do you see what happens there? Dad, how, how can you be so evil when I'm trying to do right? You taught me to do right, and now you're doing evil. And that provokes a child, even though Jonathan by that point is a grown man. But the idea is, when we talk about provoking our children, God wants parents to be aware of the temperature in their home. What's going on with your kids? How are they responding to your leadership and if you are part of the problem by the way you're doing your work, you need to back up and make your home safe again. Don't provoke your children. Don't be harsh with them. Don't be harsh with your wives. Make home a safe place. There should not be harshness. I might add, just my term, there should not be fear in the home where children are afraid because they never know what the next thing to set mom and dad off will be. I understand that there are natural fears that come because we know if I do this and I step over this line, there will be punishment. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about fear because parents are not in control. And instead, children are frightened and children are cowed into obedience and ultimately... They are provoked to anger. God wants home to be a safe place. Not safe in the sense kids can do whatever they want, but safe in the sense that they always know that they are loved. They always know that their parents want what's best for them. They are always know that they are not going to be responded to with unbridled harshness. My family doesn't have to live in physical terror of me to respect me. I don't have to yell and berate and browbeat and insult in order to teach respect. Our families need to learn respect. It is vital. We need to learn. And our children need to learn it. And we, as adults, need to learn it. We need to learn that there are some things that demand our respect. There are some things that are worth us saying, yes, sir, about. There are some things that we should say, yes, that deserves what I can give it. But we can teach that without harshness. And we can communicate it in a way that will be a blessing rather than a hardship. So, I hope you see the tone of what Paul teaches about the home. If you don't get anything else 
out of this lesson. Please hear what I'm about to say. Paul is calling on us, particularly Christian men who are fathers. He is saying that if you want to show how Christian fathers are different from the world, you begin here by making your home safe. You teach, you discipline, but you do it with care and love. You know, if we are going to claim an allegiance to Jesus, at some point we're going to have to actually act like Jesus. And it seems to me that there is no place that is missing more than in the home where we show kindness and gentleness with firmness the way Jesus did. Safety doesn't negate discipline and teaching and respect. Safety reinforces it because it says this is vital. But you don't have to be afraid. You can openly and willingly choose it. Can I add a little motivation to you as we close? What's happening in our homes? Take a step back from it. Those of you who are parents with younger children, I, I'm, I'm asking you to take a step back from the daily, you know, the stuff that's on your mind right now that you need to correct and work on with each one. Take a step back from it and think about what are we doing? We are building character. We're trying to create something in our children. And that best happens, according to Paul, in a safe place. But when we do that, when we teach our children, you know what? You can be patient. You can let people have time to come along and and guide them. You can discipline with love. What we are teaching them is how they can then recreate that environment in their own homes so that someday when they leave our homes and go out on their own, they can then make safe spaces wherever they go. We're also training ourselves. We're training ourselves to be patient and kind and loving without compromising anything about what we believe. We can still be patient. We can still be loving. But I also want to call your attention to this. When we are building character in our children and in ourselves, we are preparing them for local church life. This life, what we do here, isn't the local church a safe place? Isn't the local church a place where we can be protected? Where we sometimes make mistakes, but we don't have to worry about harshness. We know that we'll still be loved even though there is discipline. Isn't the local church to be a further extension of the love of a home? And could it be that the reason we struggle so much with those things as a local church, couldn't it be that the reason we struggle is because we never learn those things at home? But ultimately, we are mirroring in our homes the idea of home and dwelling with our Heavenly Father the one who always loves us while still correcting us, the one who teaches us but with patience, the one who listens to our needs and desires. And so what we are doing is we are slowly changing the world one well-ordered home at a time. 
to make it more of what God wants it to be. So I encourage you parents, don't lose sight of where your kids are headed and the goal God has for both you and for them. Make your home a safe place. There might be someone here this morning who needs to respond to the invitation of Jesus. We haven't spoken this morning about the offer and the call Jesus makes. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. That call is the call that we as disciples of Jesus have answered. It's the reason we've gathered here this morning. It's the reason we try to raise our kids to learn about and know Jesus. Because we know the joy of salvation. We know what it is to be free from our sins. And we would love nothing more than to share that with you so that you can experience the freedom and joy that comes from following Jesus. And if you're ready to take that step right now, we've set aside this time. At the end of our service, we sing a song and we invite you to come to the front and let us know what we can do to help you to be right with God. If there's anyone here who has a need, please come to the front as we stand and sing to encourage you.